to the Thrive Podcast. I'm Kathleen Drennan, corporate executive turned creative entrepreneur. In this podcast, I'll share all we've learned about marketing, money, and managing your mindset. I'll provide you with the tools and templates you can use today to grow your business and move one step closer to creating your best life. Ladies, you got this. Hello, my friends. Welcome back to another week of podcasting with me, Kathleen. And you know what is crazy is that it's April, which in Australia means that it's the middle of autumn. I had to think about that one for a minute. Sorry. (laughs) And hopefully if you're in the Northern Hemisphere, the spring has sprung and that there are signs of spring bulbs all over the place and blossoms because it's just an amazing time of year, pretty much no matter where you are in the world, I would imagine. And you guys have heard me talk about this in the past before, but I'm going to just interject a little bit of a kick in the butt and remind you guys that the 1st of April also means the beginning of a new quarter. So that means it's the beginning of the next wave of three months of the year. And as you guys know, I love planning our business in kind of intense three-month increments and I would encourage you guys to do the same thing. I think a lot of people kind of fall into the trap of feeling like they need to fully plan out 12 months and I feel like 12 months from now is too hard to figure out what I want to be doing with my time. (laughs) So I know it's a bit of a tricky one because so many of us will commit to events and weddings and client commitments of whatever sort that are happening 12 to 18 months down the track, but don't be afraid to, you know, accept what feels right and then very much intentionally sit down and plan the next three months of your calendar and plan your time off and plan your holidays and plan, plan, plan. And that's what I'm going to say about that. Today, I wanted to just jump right in and talk to you guys about or a boot, depending on which accent you are choosing. Okay, so the computer had a slight meltdown, but that's because I have about 8,000 things open, which is quite typical of me. One day I shall change my behavior. (laughs) Today is not that day. Anyway, onwards and upwards. I wanted to jump in, and as you guys know, yes, this is where I was in my train of thought. As you guys know, I've been showing up on Instagram Live fairly regularly the last few weeks. So I am there doing a live Q&A on Monday mornings and then also showing up on Thursday mornings doing a design with me, tackling a specific topic with you guys in a live design session. So if you are not following me on Instagram, it is at littlebirdbloom. That's L-I-T-T-L-E-B-I-R-D. B-L-O-O-M. Link will be in the little show note, do Mahiki. So there you go. Um, But one of the things I just wanted to jump right into today and talk about was this whole idea of pricing because I very regularly ask you guys to get in touch, send me emails, send me a DM, comment on the Instagram posts around topics and subjects that are particularly challenging for you guys. And I have to tell you the number of questions that I am receiving around pricing makes me realize what an untalked about subject this is within the industry. And I very vividly remember going back to one of my first kind of amazing workshop experiences with the beautiful Mr. Cook, Jardine and Alex. And 
they did some amazing, amazing work. And part of me just wanted to keep asking during the entire session, like, how would you price this? How would you price this? How would you price this? But it felt like such a faux pas topic. Like nobody wanted to talk about how much you actually mark flowers up by, how much do you charge for your time, do you charge different rates for this versus that, like just wasn't a thing that anybody talked about. So I kind of assumed everybody knew there was some magical model that floated around in the world. You are taught a very simple, I shouldn't say simple, it's sort of straightforward but somewhat complicated <laughs> way to do pricing when you go to flower school. But I wanted to share with you guys just the top three kind of blunders that I consistently made in the first few years of growing this business. And there are lots of little tips and tricks that I've picked up along the way. But I wanted to just cover off three big concepts with you guys so that you can learn from my mistakes because there were plenty of them. And we started this business five and a half years ago. If you guys know the story well, then you'll know that we also incidentally bought a ridiculously busy retail shop about eight months later. So good way to be thrown in the deep end. Like so glad I had no idea the roller coaster ride I was about to embark on. But we have now, five and a half years later, completed something like 350 weddings. So I am just going to talk you guys through the good and the bad, mostly the things I want you guys to avoid when it comes to setting up a pricing model for you. Now, one thing just to be clear from the beginning is that everybody is entitled to and allowed to come up with their own pricing model. Yes, your business, your rules. So however you want to set your pricing is totally okay. I am, just for the record, going to be opening the doors to our online course that is all about pricing and profitability and talking through business foundations for you guys. The doors will open for that in a few weeks. If you want to get on the early bird registration list and just put your hand up to say, hey, Kathleen, send me the email when the doors open, then all you need to do is visit forflorist.com backslash wait list. So link will be in the show notes, but that is F-O-R-F-L-O-R-I-S-T-S dot com backslash wait list, W-A-I-T-L-I-S-T. And you will be put on the early bird registration email list, and then I will email you as soon as doors open. But I wanted to see that thought with you guys because your pricing model for your business is going to make or break the sustainability and the longevity of your business. I'm going to talk you through kind of the three biggest mistakes that I made in the beginning. There are tons that you can make along the way, but don't be afraid just to sign up for that waitlist and be notified for when registration opens for that online course. And I'm so freaking excited just to share, literally in that course, I'm sharing with you guys the ins and outs of our model for pricing and it is so easy. Like the way that we go about pricing and budgeting for wholesale costs, budgeting for time, budgeting for operational costs, making sure you've got cash in the bank for the tax man, all these things. We have come up with like the most straightforward solution that I have ever come across. Not convoluted, literally the math is as easy as third grade. So. In that course, I will also be sharing our whole kind of onboarding process 
in terms of the minute that we get a lead into our email inbox and increasing the chances of you booking that client. So all that stuff, so many good things. As well, I will just mention in that online course, I'm also going to talk to you guys through our quick quote template process, which is something that is a bit of a signature of ours in terms of making sure that we're building a really good relationship with our clients from the beginning, landing more bookings, and demonstrating value through the entire sales process with your potential clients. So all that stuff is going to be in the online course. If you want to register for an email update on that one, just go to fourflorescom backslash waitlist. Link will be in the show notes. So enough jibber jabber. I'm just going to jump right into my biggest blunders in terms of pricing. So number one, did you know, are you aware that when you embark on the journey of creating your own floral design business, whether you're selling retail flowers, doing weddings and events, doing funerals, doing corporate work, doing everyday flowers, doing home styling, whatever niche you're in, this also includes growing flowers, so whatever niche you're in in terms of the industry, that you are actually embarking on the process of creating a for-profit business. Now, I did not even think about this in the first few years of running our business. The way that we used to set some of our pricing up just literally barely covered all of our costs. So, you know, covering the costs in terms of like the flowers, foliage, air conditioning, water, rent, staffing, tolls on the highways, petrol, that, you know, having to go in and get the van maintained. Like the way that we used to price things literally was just around making sure that we covered all of our costs. In reality, when I say you are in it for a profit, it means that you are setting up a business to pay yourself a living wage plus make a profit. Yes. Now, I know you're looking at me through the power of the podcast app and you're saying, shut the fuck up, Kathleen. (laughs) Because you think I'm crazy. But I wanted to seed that thought with you guys because you need to know you are no different as the CEO of your business, no matter how short or how long you have been in business. You are out to make a profit and you are no different to the Pepsis, the Nikes, the Coca-Colas, the Arcteryx, the Apple, the Canon, the T2, the whomever brand you want to insert in that, that is a for-profit organization, you as the CEO of your business are no different to the CEO of that business. At the end of the day, as the leader and owner of your business, your primary objective is to deliver value to yourself and to your, in quotes, stakeholders. So let me explain that a little bit further. If we think about Apple, and Tim Cook is the CEO of Apple, they are a public company. Their mission at the end of the day is to deliver profit, increased profit to their shareholders, right? So they do that by phenomenal customer service, beautiful products, 
etc., 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 right? So the other thing, just to simply jump in here to tell you guys, is that profit is not a bad word. If you subscribe to my email list, you would have gotten my little step-by-step guide in overcoming (laughs) your challenges in becoming comfortable with the word profit. This is going to sound completely absurd, but profit is a word I would love for you to become more comfortable with. Now, I know everybody has heebie-jeebie relationships with money. I am probably one of... mm, Two people, nope, that's three people, including my father, who really enjoy sitting down and talking to people about money. So three people out of all the people in my little bubble is not many. Now, I know money, particularly the word profit, gives you the heebie-jeebers. One of my little tips that I like to tell people, and this is going to sound totally cray-cray, But one of the little tips I like to tell people in terms of getting more comfortable with the term profit is every day sit down and write it out a hundred times. Or if you'd prefer, if you're out for a walk, say it out loud a hundred times. Do that every day for like 10 days. You will be surprised, right? So one of the things you need to come to terms with and build a more positive relationship with is the fact that you... As the person trying to start your business are starting a for-profit entity, right? You, Tim Cook, same. Same, same. Mm-hmm. So what does that mean? Making a profit means that after all of your sales to your clients and you've deducted what you're going to have to pay the tax man, you've just deducted all your operational costs, you've deducted all of your like sundries and hard goods and flowers and foliage and listening carefully and you have deducted your wages and salaries which includes your wages and salaries you should at the end of the day still have another pool of money right so you have billed the client x amount let us say like $2,000 is how much the total invoice is for their upcoming wedding, right? After you've deducted all of your operational costs, all of however much you spent on flowers and foliage and sundries and hard goods, however much you've spent on your own time as well as freelancer's time, and set aside some portion for the tax man, you should still have money left over that you can consider just pure profit, Now, lots of people will tell you a few different things to do with that profit, and if you are a solopreneur, you can 100% absolutely claim that profit as additional income, but I want you to simply be aware of the idea that you are starting up and are in the process of building a for-profit entity. Now, totally fine, 100% completely understand if your relationship with the term profit is heeb jeeb to the max. That's fine. That is simply a hurdle to overcome. Easy. Not a problem. But all I want you to know is to understand that you are in this business to make a profit. And that profit needs to be more than just you covering your time for your efforts. Yeah? Clear as mud, peoples? (laughs) So that was my big one of my biggest blunders at the very beginning. 
My second blunder, which does also tie into the mindset thing a little bit, but I spent, I probably, the first three and a half years of building this business, I would almost always put my place, put myself in my client's place, which is a great skill to have, but I would put myself in my client's place if they were going to receive the quote that I wanted to send through and automatically assume they were going to think it would be too expensive, right? So I have a great example of an email that we received today for an inquiry. So they are getting married at XYZ venue in March of 2020. She has very nicely outlined for us what she's looking for in terms of wedding flowers. So she's attached a few pictures. It's at a venue that we are very familiar with. She's given us the table layout. She's given us number of bridesmaids, kind of accessories that she's looking for. She wants us to provide a cost for ceiling installation as well as doing kind of significant table flowers. And she's given us her budget. In the past, I would have taken her budget and then kind of assigned pricing to each of her items, right? So I would have gone in there to make it work and said, oh yeah, no, we could totally kind of do a ceiling installation, significant table flowers, three bridesmaids, bride, buttonholes for the whole family, cake flowers, all the things, set up, pack down, delivery. I would have made it fit her budget, right? So I would have said, Oh, okay, well, like there's only $200 left, so that's what I'll assign to this piece over here. So I used to take their budget and kind of squish all the pieces into it. Now, part of our process and part of what we've spent the last, let's say, almost 18 months, yeah, 18 months, very intentionally coming back after every event and making notes around the amount of flowers we had and do we feel like it fit the look and feel that we wanted to achieve, right? So in terms of, you know, doing an archway, as an example, we know that that client wanted it to be kind of, I'd say almost a third to a half filled with flowers and foliage. So we would have budgeted however much we would have budgeted after the event. Then I would have sat down and come back and said, okay, so based on what I quoted that client, the hours on site, how much we ended up spending and the end look and feel, did that feel like the right amount to achieve the look that we wanted to achieve, right? So we've totally flipped the script and told ourselves a very different story because we are the professionals we come to the table knowing, you know, our general philosophy around flowers is go big or go home. So if you're going to do an archway, make it abundant and beautiful. That doesn't mean the whole thing needs to be covered, but you could potentially just do a quarter of an archway floral design, but we're going to quote quite a bit of money because I know I want it to be full and abundant and luxurious, right? That quote is not going to be $200. So something to keep an eye on. And again, go out and buy yourself yet another journal because <laughs> you could have so many journals for the different things that I ask you guys to talk about. But one of the things is if you have a wedding coming up in the next few weeks, 
be very intentional and spend some time after the event, even if it's just a few days after the event, and go back and look at how much you quoted and just reflect on when you made the piece. Do you feel like you had the right amount of product? Do you feel like you had the right ingredients? Right? Do you want to then change and adjust your pricing in the future? So I am very comfortable with how much we quote for most of the most common items out there. Yes, I know we can do a good job. I know when we need to increase that quote based on specific flowers. And I know we are going to be very happy and therefore our clients are going to be very happy with the abundance that we have quoted in each of the elements. So that took me many, 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 many weddings to learn to do. And I would encourage you guys to do that at the beginning. Start now. So even if you have just done your first wedding, sit down and reflect. And this is not about being hard on yourself. This is purely an exercise in a very pragmatic, straightforward, factual way to say, these are the ingredients I purchased. This is how much I used in this table arrangement. This is how much I used in the bouquet. This is how much I used in an archway. This is how much I used in this statement arrangement. Did you feel like it was enough? Do you want to just increase it another $20, $50, $100? Make sure you just give your t yourself that time and that space to reflect on that design so that the next time you go to quote somebody a ceremony arrangement, you know, oh, I want that price up at this level. Does that make sense? I hope so. So in the past, I used to receive quotes inquiries from potential clients and they would give us a budget and I would do my darndest to make all the items fit within that budget, right? So I'd be like, oh, we'll just shave 10% off this ceremony arrangement. We'll just do the table arrangements a little bit smaller, etc., etc., etc. Now we've completely flipped it on its head, right? So I don't necessarily pay attention to what the client's budget is in the very beginning. We go back to our clients with a very quick summary of costs for them. We, in that, then, kind of part two of our response back to them, is providing a recommendation based on their budget, right? Then, it's up to the client to decide which pieces are of value to them. It is very possible totally 100% possible the client comes back and says oh you guys are way too expensive I don't want to pay that fine that is okay they are not the client for you if you are doing a wedding you want to be happy with the product that you have the abundance of product that you have you will be so much happier with the end result right so if a client comes to you and says I only have a thousand dollars but I have 14 bridesmaids and I want 37 corsages and a ceiling installation, what we do in that instance is we go back to them with a quick guide cost, and then we provide a recommendation to them on how best to spend their budget. It is then up to the client to decide, agree, disagree, go somewhere else, come back and ask different questions, etc., etc., etc. So, and don't forget, I will just come in here. When you're going back to your clients and you're quoting them something that's way out of their budget, 100%, I think it's a brilliant idea to provide some guidance, your professional recommendation and your expertise in terms of how to get the best bang for their buck with their budget.
Just take it as an opportunity to educate and provide your expertise. Yes? Every time out. Every single time out. Do not underestimate the power of having a point of view. They can agree with it or disagree with it. That's fine. It doesn't mean you're a good or a bad person. Right? So just take the opportunity to educate them. Provide your expert opinion. Right. So blunder number one. Not understanding that you are in this to make a profit, that you are a business and you as the CEO of your business are running a for-profit entity. And I will just put in parentheses, profit is not a bad word. Yes? So blunder number one. And then blunder number two was assuming whatever quote I was going to send over to our potential client was going to be too expensive. So I used to go out of my way to make all the items fit within their budget. Nuh-uh, bad idea. You are not going to be happy with the end result. You are going to bust yourself into burnout so quickly. <laughs> so, so quickly. So just please take that one from me. And blunder number three. Not having a freaking clue in terms of how much product it would take to fill a certain container. <laughs> so I laugh at this because it seems so simple when I say it, and the resolution for how to fix this is so simple. But I used to, mostly because I was trying to do everything myself and thrown in the deep end, was managing all the wedding stuff as a one-man band, so that's crazy, don't recommend that. But I, remember like my very first bride that we had landed was getting married and she wanted you know just small glass cube vases filled with like bright beautiful vibrant garden-esque flowers so I when I was quoting basically just pulled a number out of my ass so this definitely falls in line with blunder number two because I would be, oh, okay, well, her budget's $3,500 and she wants 12 table arrangements, so I'll just make sure, you know, I can make each one for $60. When in actual fact, I needed closer to like $120 to make them fit in that container and to make it look as good as I wanted it to look, right? So that whole exercise of going, this is the type of table arrangement that the client is looking for, don't just arbitrarily pick a number out of thin air. <laughs> and that just sounds so absurd when I say that, but I highly recommend and I know it can be tedious. If you haven't done the type of table arrangement or the type of vase arrangement or the type of installation or the type of bouquet that your client is potentially looking for, take the time to figure out whether you go in and count the stems, whether you go to the you know, green grocery and you just pick up a few loose bunches of stuff, whether you go for a walk around the neighborhood just to pick up whatever stems of whatever product you could possibly find, like it doesn't even need to be the exact materials that you're looking for. Like you could totally walk around, like take a walk around the block, snip a few things, you know, that you see, a few bits of foliage and a few blooms that you see growing in a park or something like that, or out in your own front yard would be even better. Put them together in your hand, put them together in the container and tell yourself if you want more and how much more. And then go in and do the math based on kind of that total stem count that you've created 
looking at the type of ingredients that you want to use, right? So in that instance, I would say creating your own Google Sheet or your own Excel spreadsheet would be phenomenal. But if you don't feel like that's your comfort space and you want to just pick up a pen and a piece of paper, would highly, highly, highly recommend that you take the few minutes it takes to do that job to quote accurately for those elements. I so vividly remember looking back at those table arrangements of those early weddings and just going, oh man, like, but it wasn't perfect. But you know what? I knew the instant that I walked out of there, okay, I need to make sure that I'm quoting ABC for this next time, right? So learning opportunity, totally fine. Don't beat yourself up with it because A, nobody's out there talking about this stuff. And B, these are not the things that you necessarily learn if you're at a workshop or if you're at flower school, but it is all of the stuff that I just want to share with you guys. So those totally pragmatic, big-ass blunders that I made in those first few years of this business, I want you guys to avoid them as much as you possibly can. And if you've done any of these things yourself, then just feel free to learn from my lesson, learn from your lesson. Don't beat yourself up too much over the fact that you think you should have known something. Wrong. So let us go back and talk about these three blunders again. So number one, blunder number one. Remember, you are in the midst of running your own for-profit business. That means you need to be charging more than simply covering your costs and covering for your time. Let that sink in. Blunder number two, the assumption that any quote you send through that your client is going to find too expensive. That is not your call to make. It is your point of view, it is your job as a floral professional to outline the costs and considerations based on what the client has requested of you right? So if they've requested a specific kind of bouquet and you know, or you've done a little bit of math to discover that it's going to cost them $450, you need to go to them with $450. Do not go to them assuming that that price is too expensive. Do whatever you can to explain why it's probably more than they're expecting it to be, but use it as an opportunity to demonstrate your expertise. Brilliant. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Yes, so it's not your decision to decide if something is too expensive for your client. Only your client can make that decision. So tied in with blunder number two is don't do what I do and don't try to simply squeeze all the elements into their budget. Don't shave 10% off here and make your installation cover just that amount and make your table arrangements 50% of the size. Flip that all on its head. Figure out how much product you need and what level, like premiumness level of product you want to create the effect that you're after to reflect your client's desire and go to them with that cost. Yeah? Yeah, yeah? And then blunder number three not have a freaking clue how much product you needed to fill a specific vessel or container. For that matter, to do an installation, to do an archway, pretty much to do anything. To make bouquets the size that we wanted to make them, 
all the things. So that particular challenge is something that I do address very specifically in our Thursday Design With Me sessions on Instagram. So if you have a vessel that you are looking at and trying to figure out how much product to put in there and you want, it's something that's fairly common, like it's a cylinder vase or a cube vase or something, or a compote, and you want me to design with it so that you can count the stems and all the things, just let me know. Totally happy to do that stuff with you guys. So I also want to remind you as well, if you want to jump on the bandwagon and be part of my online course that talks about pricing and profitability, then go to fourflorists.com backslash wait list. So the link will be in the show notes. And I also forgot to mention at the top of the show, I am officially launching business coaching. So we'll be small group business coaching. But if you want to know more about that, then you can go to fourflorist.com backslash coaching. Link will also be in the show notes. So that's freaking exciting. Anyway, thank you guys so, so much. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at littlebirdbloom so that you can catch up on our Q&As and design lives. And if you guys have any questions, comments, concerns, conundrums, challenges, anything, let me know. Send me a DM on the Instagram. Send me an email. Sometimes I am a little bit slow to get back to you guys, but I promise, I promise, I promise. It's never more than a week. And once we get through the back half of our wedding season this autumn, I'm all yours. So that's exciting. Anyway, I hope you guys have a beautiful day. Beautiful, beautiful day. And I shall talk to you next week. Sending you lots of love. Bye for now.